Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. We are so grateful for generous people in the church, just like you, that allow us to do so much in this community and in this world. We are especially grateful for for those one-time gifts that come in at strange times, like like this woman that Jonathan just talked about that passed away and decided to leave us property in her will um, so that we could sell it and make an even bigger impact on this community and on this world for Jesus. Man, that just blesses our hearts. It encourages us. And that's why we're going to have that congregational meeting after our 11 o'clock service in two weeks just to affirm the decision that the elders have made to sell that property so that we can take that money and we can invest it into what God is doing in and through this church. And we're excited about that. And we want to ask you, if you're a partner, to stick around in two weeks after the service just so that you can contribute to that. All right, go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. That's that's where we're going to camp out in just a minute. While you're turning there, I want to tell you that I missed you last week. And I appreciate you noticing that I wasn't here. Some of you are like, I didn't know he wasn't here. Um, some of you noticed um, that, uh, that I wasn't here, and I appreciate that. I had the privilege um, to go to uh, one of our other churches, um, one of our sister churches, a church that we're close to over in McDonough, Georgia, Momentum Christian Church. I had an absolutely incredible experience. I went just to take notes and see what I could learn so that we could become better as a church. And I, I walked into that place, and man, they had a greeter team that was incredible. They had coffee that was great. They had worship that was amazing. They had a speaker that did a great job. It was a friendly church. And get this, I'm a, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say this, and I'm not sure if it's okay. They even had better communion bread than we do. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot better. Um, and uh, and I, I appreciated that. It was real bread. And, uh, and that was fancy. And I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed that environment where I could just go and, and just worship and, and not necessarily have any responsibilities. But I want you to know I missed you when I did that, um, because there's a community here um, that I crave each and every week. If it's not a part of my week, man, I feel like something is missing. But I also learned something in that process, something a little more important than communion, Brad. Um, I learned what it was like to be a visitor again. <laughs> See, I didn't have my family with me. So it was just me. I drove an hour and a half to go to this place, and, and I had to walk in by myself. And let me tell you something. My life is church. I mean, ever since I was like, like seven years old and decided, hey, this is the greatest place in the world, I live church. I do church all the time. I lived on a church property for 10 years. I love church. I know church. But still, I was nervous. I was anxious. I was uncomfortable as I walked in there as a visitor. I say that to say this. Two things. First of all, if you're a visitor today, thank you. Thank you for being bold enough to come into a place that's uncomfortable and see what we're all about. I hope you find that we're not weird. Yeah, you can clap. That's about you being here, not us not being weird. But we hope that you recognize that we're not weird, we're not crazy, we just have hope in something that we want to share with you. If you've been visiting for a while, thank you for coming back. The second thing I want to say is if you're a regular attender here, you've been attending here for a long time, you consider this your church home, let me tell you something, you have a responsibility to reach out to those people that are visiting and make their visit as great as it can possibly be. Listen, I walked in and, uh, and they had an incredible greeter team at the front door, didn't mean a thing to me. It was their job to greet me. I wanted somebody to greet me inside the sanctuary. And when they did that, it made all the difference in the world. Listen, it's your job. We've already pulled the best greeters out to stand at the doors. You know, we messed ourselves up. 
Now it's your job um, to look around, find somebody, greet them, and say, we are so incredibly glad that you're here. My name is so-and-so, and I'll be happy to sit with you. Make sure you're doing that over the weeks to come. That has absolutely nothing to do with our sermon. That was just catching up with some friends after I was gone for a week. Hey, we're almost finished with a series called The Playbook. And throughout this series, we've walked through the entire New Testament together. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. You should be proud of yourself that you've engaged in this process. And I hope that it's created a hunger in your heart um, to dive deeper than ever before into the Word of God. This morning, we're going to camp out in in a few verses in Philippians chapter 1. And I just want you to know, listen, I had the best worship experience I've ever had in this church just a few minutes ago. And the reason this morning's worship was so special is because I had the context of the sermon that I'm about to preach in the words of the song. Man, they transformed my heart as I was wrestling with this stuff. After you hear this sermon, after you hear this text, after you hear what we're talking about, go back and listen to our worship again, and it will challenge you in a whole new and exciting way because every single word of those songs was like it was written for what Paul is going to tell us in this passage. Listen, Paul writes this letter from the confines of prison. I want you to know that. He's in a bad place. He's sitting in prison and he writes this letter to the church in Philippi. And this is, this is what he says, starting in verse 12. We're gonna read it out loud and then we'll put some key verses and, and some big takeaways up here on the screen. But he says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen, today we're talking about circumstances, circumstances. Paul had found himself in some terrible circumstances, but he says this, he says, what has happened to me? The things that happened that I would have never chosen for myself, the things that have happened to me that completely make me feel out of control, the things that I would have never chosen for myself, they serve a purpose. Here's my sermon in a sentence, and I want you to write this down. I want you to memorize it. I want you to embrace it as a defining truth in your life. Even your chains have a charge. Even your chains have a charge. What are your chains? Well, your chains are, 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 are the burdens that you carry. They're the circumstances that you would have never chosen for yourself. They're, they're the difficult things that you face in life. What Paul teaches in this passage is that even our chains, even those difficulties, even those challenges, they have a purpose. They, they have a responsibility. They have an assignment. They have a charge to advance the gospel. 
Listen, here's the truth of the matter. A lot of times we allow those difficulties to become a hindrance to our faith, but what God wants to do is so powerful. He wants to turn those things into a platform for our faith. You see, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. He says, he says that, that you have a commission on your life. He says, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded them. You see, he gives us a charge that we're supposed to live by. Look, I'm convinced that we probably need to hang those words up out here as you, as you come out of the baptistry so that every single person that comes to know Jesus in this place recognizes that they're leaving with a mission to now make Jesus known in the world around them. Listen, that's a charge that we have on our life, but here's the hard truth. It's not just a charge in the good times. It's not just a charge that comes and goes with seasons of blessing and seasons of hardship. It's a charge that exists, that we have to hang our hat on no matter what's going on in our life and in the things around us. Listen, our charge is to make Jesus known, to share the gospel, to spread the love of Jesus Christ. Our job is to do that whether we're in the chains of prison like Paul whether we're in the chains of debt, whether we're in the chains of addiction, whether we're in the chains of brokenness, whether we're in the chains of sickness, whether we're in the chains of exhaustion, or whether we're in the chains of pain. Listen, our job, our charge is to advance the gospel no matter what's going on around us. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, advance. That was incredibly weak. Look at your other neighbor, the one you didn't want to talk to, and say, advance. All right, in case they didn't motivate you, I want you to watch this video clip that's going to challenge you to do what we're talking about. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. Free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight against that? No! We will run! And we will live. Alright? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Before I watched that movie, I had no idea it was possible to be that manly in a kilt. Like, it is absolutely amazing. There's a cuss word two seconds before that scene. Y'all give it up for our production team that's able to time it just right to keep me out of trouble. That's, that's huge. 
Listen, the reason I show you that is because hopefully you've all seen that movie as it's one of the greatest movies in the entire world. But William Wallace is able to energize a crowd. He's able to issue a charge that gets them fired up and ready to go. Here's the charge that he gives to his people. He says, you've got to use whatever it is you've got. You've got to use whatever circumstances you're going through so that you can, you can rush forward through the obstacles, so that you can advance and you can gain ground on the enemy. Our charge, get this, passionately given through the words of Jesus and through the example of Paul, our charge is to use our circumstances to march forward through the obstacles, to use even the challenges we face in this life to advance and gain ground on the enemy. Listen, the only question is, how are we going to do that? The answer is found in the example of Paul. Paul's attitude and his outlook during his own season of hardship gives us exactly what we need so that we can drive this forward and we can make a difference in the world, even in the midst of challenge. Let's talk about Paul's circumstances. Paul had just concluded his third missionary campaign, and it ended in Jerusalem. Now, a lot of the people in Jerusalem were excited to see Paul, and they gathered around him, and they were excited to see him. They, 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 just, they threw their arms around him and were passionate about his presence in that place, but not everybody felt that way. You see, there were some people that believed that Paul was antagonistic towards the Jewish way of life, and so they resisted Paul. They pulled back from him. And then rumor began to spread that, that Paul had even gone so far as, as to defile the temple because of somebody that he brought into the temple. Now before long, these crowds of people that started out just resisting Paul began to gather as a mob and, and come after Paul because they wanted to end him and his presence in their city. Paul's life was in danger, and it was only spared because they came in and they arrested him. They put him in prison, and that saved his life. Paul began this process of interrogations, not for, not for a day, not just for a week, not just for a month. Paul was interrogated over this mess for two long years. Paul finally has to accept the fact that, look, I'm in chains. I've been interrogated. This is going nowhere. I'm never going to receive a fair trial. I'm going to rot in this jail cell for something I never did. And so he uses his authority as a Roman citizen to appeal his case to Caesar in Rome. After a long and hard journey to Rome, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was bad. You can read about it in the book of Acts. There was a shipwreck. There was viper bites. I mean, it was all sorts of crazy stuff that happened on this journey. But Paul finally arrives in, in Rome, and, and he's placed under house arrest, chained to an endless number of soldiers that were going to keep him captive until the day he has an opportunity to stand trial before Caesar in Rome. Now, can you imagine how frustrating this must have been for Paul? I mean, he's under house arrest. He's not in an actual jail cell. He's in this tiny house, and he's chained to a guard. He was confined. And listen, Paul is a gifted leader. Paul has this, this passion to go out into the world and to share the love of Jesus with everybody, not just some of the people. Paul wants to travel, and he wants to preach, and he wants to plant churches, and he wants to see lives changed, but instead he's confined to this place. Not only that, but Paul is anxious. You see, if this time ever comes where he's actually going to be able to stand trial, there's a strong possibility that he's going to be sentenced to death. You know, there's another possibility that this is never going to come to a place where a decision is made and he's going to rot in this place, never be able to plead his case. Not only that, he was uncomfortable. 
Listen, prison life is not present, it's not pleasant, it's not intended to be. Now, Paul doesn't say a whole lot about his circumstances, but it's clear that they were not good. And then we find out to make things worse, there's other people that are beginning to take advantage of Paul being in prison. And we don't know exactly what that's all about. Maybe they're, they're seeking to, to build their honor, their prestige, their reputation, their cause. Or maybe they saw Paul's situation as divine judgment against him. And maybe they begin to pull back from Paul saying, surely he's not from God if he's rotting in this place. But either way, Paul says it, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what challenges I face because those circumstances... They can't impact my calling. Those circumstances, they can't impact what God has told me to do. You see, he recognized that prison couldn't wipe out his purpose. He had a purpose even in a prison cell. His situation couldn't stamp out his commission and his environment couldn't eradicate his appointment. This is what he says in in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me which is the chains, the the situation that he's under has actually served to advance the gospel. He's praising God in the midst of this challenge. Look, you may not be a believer in Jesus right now, and that's okay. You may not believe in the priorities that Paul has set for his life, but you've got to admit there's something different about this guy. He's incredibly focused on the things that matter most, and he recognizes that the most important thing above all else is to advance the gospel. Even his chains had a charge. He puts an exclamation on this at the end of the passage that we read together in verse 21 when he says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, Paul says, Whether I live or die, whether I'm in prison or I'm free, none of it matters. All that matters is that Jesus Christ is proclaimed from this end of the world to that one. I want Jesus Christ to be made known. Listen, here's the conclusion that I've reached about this. Whatever Paul had, I think we need a little bit of it today. And I don't say that because I'm looking out at the world. I'm I'm saying that because I'm looking in here. And I'm recognizing that if I were in prison for something I didn't do, and there was no end in sight, my first reaction certainly would not be, how does God want to use this? Listen, if I'm honest, sometimes I go through trivial things like traffic, and I wonder, why is God doing this to me? (laughs) That's my heart. I know what goes on in here. I can loathe and self-pity a whole lot easier than I can embrace hardship as opportunity. And I bet I'm not the only one that feels that way. I bet if I ask for you to raise your hand, everybody in this room would say, yep, I'm there too. I don't have the attitude of Paul when things get tough. But Paul provides us an example. Thank goodness, because Lord knows we needed one. He provides us an example so that we can turn our hardship into a weapon for Jesus Christ. He does that through his mindset, and he does that in two different ways. Here's the first one. Our chains go two ways. Our chains go two ways. Here, I need to to volunteer. Kevin, I didn't tell you you're going to do this, but you're going to do this. I'm going to chain you up real fast. Come on up here. I looked for a sucker on the front row. I looked at my wife for a second, and then I was like, nope, um, we're not going to do that. Hold on to that. Wrap it around your wrist because we're we're low tech. Yeah, just uh, just wrap it. I I thought about asking to borrow some handcuffs from a police officer out front, but I felt like that was going to go wrong. So um, this is is Paul's situation. 
okay? He was bound to a guard. I'm Paul, he's a guard because he's big and burly and he's scary. And, and so he's chained to this guard and this, this guard is gonna change every four hours. So every four hours, this guard is gonna change hands. Can you imagine, like this is pre-cell phones. That's what BC stood for, is before cell phones. And uh, even though this happened in AD, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have a cell phone. What are you gonna do for four hours sitting there chained to me? Listen, this is a weird situation. The purpose of the chain, look, it's obviously to keep me captive. It's obviously to keep Paul in one place, but it also served another purpose. He talks about that in verse 13. Hey, you're going to have to come with me, okay? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Listen, this is the cool thing. Paul recognized that not only is he held captive to the guard, get this, the guard is held captive to me. And as a result, he had every four hours a rotating group of guards, and he sat down and said, I'll tell you what we're going to do for four hours. Let me tell you about the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? To look at your circumstances and say, it's not just that things are stacked up against me. It's not just that things are hopeless. It's not just that God isn't saving me from this situation, but it's that God has placed me in this situation because he wants to do something through this situation. Thanks, man. You can be out of chains now. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. Listen, later, later, in, this, uh, later in this passage, um, Paul actually mentions that many in Caesar's household became believers because of the fact that Paul was chained to these guards, which means these guards began to talk and they began to communicate and it began to create a stir in the barracks and then it rose to these official circles so that people's lives were changed because of what Paul was teaching to these people about Jesus Christ. Listen, if we're gonna live like Paul, if we're gonna follow in his footsteps, this is something we've gotta ask. Do we serve our chains or do they serve us? Our perspective on that is gonna make all the difference in the world. I heard an illustration about this. It's one of my favorite stories to tell, so you'll probably hear it again. Um, but it's about this little boy, and the little boy's in the backyard, and he's, he's playing baseball with himself, and, and he's got the ball in hand, he's got the bat in hand, and he looks at the ball, and he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. He throws the ball up in the air, and he swings, and he misses, and he says, strike one. He's not phased one bit. He just reaches over, he picks up the ball, he looks at it really intently, and he says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. He throws the ball up in the air, and he swings and he misses, and he says, strike two. At this point, he's a little bit concerned. So he straightens out his hat, and he spits on his hands, and he rubs them together. He's getting ready to go, and he grabs the ball. He throws it in the air, says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And he swings and he misses. And he says, I am the greatest pitcher in the world. I love that. Perspective makes all the difference in the world. Listen, your perspective has the ability to turn your misery into a mission. What environments, what places of influence have the trials of your life forced you into that otherwise would have been absolutely void of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, we're all called, and oftentimes through challenges, we're equipped to make Jesus known in even the darkest places on earth. Listen, I'm not saying that we should go out looking for trouble. I'm not saying that we should remain in it any longer than we have to, but here's what I'm saying. If there's a health scare and things are looking bad, 
want you to look around and say, how many doctors and nurses am I surrounded by? Do I have influence into their lives that otherwise I would never have an opportunity to get to know? What about this bad grade that I just received? It's, it's required me to get a tutor that's going to come in and meet with me every week, and I don't want to do this, and this is miserable. But maybe that tutor is going to start to open up about some of the things going on in his or her life, and you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in that situation. Maybe it's an addiction that, that brings you together with a community of people that, that can wrestle with this together and fight together. Listen, our perspective matters. It has the opportunity to give meaning to our misery, possibility to our pain, and to advance the gospel above all else. Chains go two ways. Our job is to look for the mission on the other side of the chains. The faster we find it, the louder we can proclaim the love of Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing, the second perspective that Paul had in this situation, and that's this, that uh, chains ring loud. Chains ring loud. Listen, tragedy and our response to it, it echoes for miles. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 14. He says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Here's what he says. He says, chains, when you ring them, that's really much louder than I expected it to be. Hold them way out here, but it makes the point. Chains ring loud. Other people can hear it. Other people can be challenged by the example you set when you're in those bad situations. He says, other people, other people have been confident. And they've been bold. Their efforts have been intensified. Their impact has been enlarged. Why? Because they saw how Paul wore used and embraced his chains. He still focused on others. He was still committed to the cause. He was still focused on making Jesus known. Let me tell you something. Your example and hardship speaks loudly to the people that are looking at you, the people that are around you. Your strength, your commitment to advance the gospel in whatever situation, it encourages other people to rise up in their faith and to be who God has called them to be. Listen, I've been to two different kinds of funerals. I've been to a ton of funerals. I've preached a lot of funerals, but there's two different kinds. There's one where people are hurting, they're aching, and it's understandable. You look at them and you say, man, that's hard, and I feel so bad, my heart's broken, and I love you, and I want to love on you because I know that what you're going through is difficult. There's another kind of funeral where there's a peace. It's not a happiness. Don't get me wrong. It's not a happiness but it's a peace where you can worship in the midst of hardship. Listen, I've been to funerals before where people have their hands up in the air praising the name of Jesus in the midst of the most difficult thing they've ever gone through. Listen, I'm not an emotional person. I think I've cried three times since we've been married. Isn't that right? One was when we found out we were having a kid, okay? But when I see that, I'm overwhelmed and I'm encouraged and I'm given a new boldness in my own faith because I see how God's working in theirs. Listen, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's watching you. The question is, what do you want them to see? Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's the friends of your children. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's your community group. Maybe it's the people you serve, or maybe it's the people that you serve with. Listen, somebody is watching you, and what do you want them to see? Billy Graham said this, and I thought it was really powerful. Out of pain and problems have come the sweetest songs and the most gripping stories. 
Out of the pain and problems have come the sweetest songs and the most gripping stories. What will your story say about your faith and how might God use it to impact the lives of the people that are around you? Listen, this is how Paul's story kind of leads on in the book of Acts. It says this, it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Listen, Paul doesn't say much about altering his situation. To be honest with you, I don't think he cares if he's in chains or not. All he's focused on is making the love of Jesus known. Listen, our motivation matters more than our situation. It's our job to ask, what is God trying to do here? How does he want to use this? And am I making myself available to him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm so encouraged that even when we face hardship, even when we go through pain, God, even when it feels so hopeless, God, even when we're hurting, God, you're always up to something. God, I pray that even in the moments where we can't see what you're doing, God, that we would just have confidence that you're up to something. And God, we would have the faith to follow you no matter what. Trust that you're gonna use even the worst situations to accomplish amazing things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, there's this story in the Bible that most of us probably know. And it's where Jesus calms the storm in the middle of this, this, this lake and, and there's this, all this commotion going on around him. And Jesus calms the storm on the boat with his disciples there with him. And it hit me this week, and especially as we were singing that song, we're talking about Jesus calming the storms, that the only reason that story was noteworthy is because there was a storm in the background. Only reason it was noteworthy is because there was a storm in the background. Listen, I believe in this room there's a lot of people that are struggling with a lot of different things. I believe there's a lot of different things weighing on your hearts. I believe those things can become the platform that God uses to accomplish amazing things. I believe they can be the backdrop that God uses to accomplish things that we can't even dream about. Our job is to have faith. When things seem hopeless, we gotta sing a little bit louder and say, Jesus Christ, I wanna sing your praises, not because of what you're doing right now, but because of who you are, because I trust you unconditionally. When things seem hopeless, when things seem lost, when you can't find your way out, sing a little louder and trust that Jesus is in control. Y'all stand up and we're gonna sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at